Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Hustle and Grind podcast. My name is Jason Hartwell, and I am here again today with Pickle, Mr. Nick Tobin. And uh, last week we had a pretty good show. We did a podcast review, and it was all kind of structured, and you know it flowed real good, right? Yeah, and I actually got some good feedback from it too. And a bunch of people, you know, we made a bunch of people happy with that one. Yeah, so that was a good one. But we're not having that shit today. So no. <laughs> today we're gonna wing it. Yeah, it can't be a weekly theme either. There's only so many podcasts out there. Right. But we will start trying to come up with, we're still working on getting back to a regular schedule because with me going out of town back and forth, it's had us throwing off our days, you know, and then we're recording on one day and then having to do it again two days later. Exactly. And there's only so much shit you can ramble on for a whole hour, you know, within two days' time. Only so much happens. Right. And I found, found, like, just – Real quick, though, I know so we weren't doing that this week there, but uh, uh, is it Working Hands Podcast? There's the Handmade Podcast. Right. Did you get a, a chance to check out the Handmade Podcast? Yep. yep. Good. Good. What'd you think? Pretty good, actually. Yeah. And then there's uh, another one I found, uh, Working Hands Podcast. Yeah, I heard about that one, too. I heard about that on the Work For It Podcast today. Exactly, and I gave that a listen. Okay, you got to get up on your mic. I can see your lips moving, but there you we go. Speaking. There we go. Now you're back. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot one last week too, and I got a couple of DMs like, "Oh my god, you forgot about me," <laughs> and I'm so sorry. Is my buddies Dan Eastland and Kyle Daly over at the Knife Perspective Podcast? Oh. And I don't even know how I let that one slip my mind. I've heard every single episode they've ever put out, and that's a, a hell of a good show. Cool, I'm gonna have to check that one out. Yeah, they're uh, they're they're some pretty cool people. We met them up at Blade, and Kyle Daly's notorious for his beer cooler. So <laughs> when it gets towards the end of the night and your cooler runs empty, just look around, find this giant rolling white Yeti cooler, and it's covered in Maker stickers. And there's plenty of beer in there. Whatever whatever kind of beer you want, dude, he comes stocked up. He's the guy you want to find at the party. Yeah, so that's who we were hanging out with for a while. It was uh, We had three Kyles there all in one pile. It was Kyle Nelson from the Flying Shark Knives, and then Kyle Daly, KH Daly Knives. And there was one other one. I can't remember the other Kyle, but I remember talking about it. There was three Kyles piled up there. So, uh, a bunch of Kyles. Yeah. But anyway, that was a fun time. And uh, Blade Show West just finished up. Looks like they had fun out there. I'm sure they did. Yeah. I didn't see anything about the Chef's Knife cutting competition this year. Did you? Oh, no. I haven't been paying much attention of what's going on in these shows these days because it kind of pisses me off that I can't get around and, you know, make my way out to these shows. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, I I leave it to them. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just shop doing my thing and let them enjoy their thing. Dude, I got to give a shout out to Brian House right quick because my forge is fixed 100%. Nice. And all it was was the regulator. So I got online, I ordered a new regulator, and I was able to find one that had the the PSI gauge on it with the stainless hoses and all that goes off the two burners, all one piece, ready to go for $36. Sweet. I never knew how much PSI I was running before. I just, you know, adjusted the, the regulator. I was heat treating today. I started at about seven thirty this morning, 
and I went until I just put them in the oven before we came up here. Yeah. And I was running at one PSI. Yep. That's what I do for my uh, my uh, heat treat, too. I much run around one PSI to get up the heat. I would have sworn that it was we were running way more than that. I mean, I've never had a gauge before. You know what I mean? So, uh, but that Wait, was pretty cool. No, you would think so, yeah, but no, it's not that bad, actually. And uh, I'm looking into making a either going to make or have made, uh, you know, both are possibilities there at the moment. So either I'm going to make my own uh, ribbon blower burner, I mean, a ribbon, a ribbon burner for my forge. Yeah, I'm not familiar with all the different types of burners. Well, those are the, the burners that are like a, kind of like a, well, three inches by 12 inches, about, and they got a bunch of holes underneath. Okay, yeah, yeah. Kind of like a drain tile or whatever. Right. Um. Uh, it's a forced air as well too, so you're you're not using nearly as much propane to get up the heat, and the efficiency of the the, the heat distribution inside the forge is much better than just having you know like two separate burners apart from each other. Right. Yeah. So I'm, it's a, uh, it's a more convenient and more efficient you know forge burner, I would say. Yeah, I took a chunk of uh, three inch pipe, Schedule eighty pipe, yep. and I cut it the length of my forge. And use that today, and man, that was it was amazing. It took it longer to be able to you know put the knife in up, get it up to temperature. But once that pipe got hot, I mean, it was so even. It's like an oven. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't an even heat, but it was an even heat. Yeah. So, but that um, thing is, is it's nice for smaller blades, but when you come up the levers and stuff like that, it's it's not going to work for that. Oh, it's not happening. But uh, I took a piece of one inch wide flat bar and laid in the bottom of that pipe. Yep. And that way, you know, I could kind of have it a resting point and give a space for my tongs to be able to pick it up. Yep. Cause the first thing I noticed when I put the tube in there and I just tossed the knife in, I was like, man, that thing's sitting awfully flush. You know what I mean? Like on that pipe. So without it turned on, obviously I practiced and see if I could pick it up with my tongs. Wasn't happening at all. Yeah. So little piece of pipe in there. And I, I had this idea in my head. I was going to take, like, angle iron and either cut slots in it for the thing to sit, either that or, like, weld something on the sides as a brace so it wouldn't roll around. Yeah. I just put the pipe in there, and I took chunks of fire brick and shoved on both sides to, like, wedge it in place. Good to That's go. It doesn't have to be more sophisticated than that. Right. As long as it works. It worked. It worked great, man. And uh, it took forever. I kept having to take little breaks to let my oil cool. Because I kept yeah. watching the temperature of my oil. I heat treated, I want to say, 14 or 16 blades today. It was yeah, hot. Oil. Yeah. <laughs> so the very last knife, I looked at the at the gauge, and I was at 120 degrees, which that's not bad. That's a little higher than I would normally like to have it. But What oil is that? Arcs or is 50. Arcs 50. Yeah. And uh, – when I ordered the thing, it came with the little envelope, like telling you all about it and the viscosities and all them specs and all that. But I never really read it, and there's no way I still have it. So, uh, one twenty years still good. Yeah, yeah. I try. I usually try to keep it between a hundred and a hundred and ten, but I figured one twenty was all right. And out of all those blades, I might have one crack, but other than that, they all came out perfectly straight. And you mean? Might have a crack. I couldn't find the crack. When I quenched it, I heard it. Ding. Uh, you know what I mean? So 
it's in the temper oven, and I know which knife it is. I put a big mark on it with a chalk pen. And when I get it all tempered up, I'm just going to have to grind it out and etch it and see if I can find it. See what happens, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know what else it would be if it wasn't that. And I kind of felt it in the in the palm of my hand through the tongs. Felt it through the tongs. Yeah, there's yeah. There's uh, most likely a crack there. What I would have done before throwing it in the temperature, drop it on a concrete floor. What the hell would if I do that for? Crack, if there was a crack there, it would have cracked. Well, yeah, but I mean, at the same time, before and I got one knife here that never left the shop, and the only reason why it never left the shop is because the same thing happened as what happened to you. I heard the thing. I felt the thing. I threw the knife on the ground like three or four times on a diamond plate fucking sheet that I have in my shop. Thing never broke, tempered it. And I said, you know what? And then I'll just test it a bit, see what happens, and tested it. I actually chopped through a three and a half inch framing nail with it. And uh, barely, barely, barely nicked the edge, too. You know, like you have to look and know where it is to find it. Right. Anyways, uh, the thing never let go, but I'm still not going to sell it or let it go because fact that i felt and heard that thing right well luckily the knife that it was i made three of them okay and two of them were for orders and it's a paring knife just a little six inch paring knife two of them are for four orders but my wife has been after me to make her a small paring knife so that's gonna either way if it's not cracked like you said i'm not gonna send it out because i don't know you know that sound you know what i mean when you hear yeah, it yeah, and you feel yeah. it in the palm of your hand something happened even if you Sometimes can't see it Sometimes I want to believe it's just the oil, you know, doing its thing and making noises, but yeah, it's it's too obvious. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, but yeah, she's going to get that one. And if it breaks, you know, I know a guy or another <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. She bought some handle material. Shit. It's been three, four years ago up at blade show. And she just kept holding on to it. It's not even in my shop. It's in the house. It's this, uh, it's just resin, like acrylic type stuff. Okay. But it's pink, and it's got, like, black and white swirls through it, like a marble or a bowling ball or something. Yeah. It's really super cool looking, but I showed her that profile. I said, but I'm finally going to make you a kitchen knife, you know, a little paring knife. And then she handed me those scales. She said, okay, you can use these now. <laughs> <laughs> she was saving them. Yeah. Well, we've got four or five of my knives in the kitchen, but they're all knives that weren't quite right you know what i mean like something wasn't perfect on them so i kept them i have none well i say i have i've got a couple knives but it's nothing that i would either use in the kitchen or carry around you know yeah got this one big chopper like it's got a 10 inch blade on it and then this other big camp knife you know that's just ridiculous it's like a quarter inch thick and it's like two inches tall yeah no it's (laughs) yeah no it's you know it'd be somebody buy it would just be a collection you know pretty much yeah, that's it's like not a, something you could use it. You could definitely use it, but you wouldn't want to use it. Probably that's the thing. Your audio is chopping up real bad right now. I don't know if it's internet connection or what, but we're gonna keep on rolling with it. Just a heads up. Internet connection should be good. Is that better? Uh, we'll see how it goes. What's that? Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And uh, I hit a button on my soundboard there, and it made you sound all muffled. Oh, well, does it sound? No, you <laughs> All right, cool. It just sounded like you had a mouthful of marbles. Okay, well, it might be. I kind of tried to mute this thing right quick. So I got a new phone, and I don't know how to use it. 
<laughs> on my old phone, every time I would come in here, I'd hit do not disturb. But I don't, I can't find that on this phone. I don't know if it even has it. And there's got to be some kind of mute. I don't know. I couldn't tell you because I've never owned an iPhone. Oh, well, there's a little button on the side that says silent mode. It's like a little toggle switch on the side of the phone. That would be it. There we go. I'm in silent mode. All right, we can carry on. Speaking of my new phone, here's a question for you. When you go out in public and you're around people you don't know, how how often do you make it a point to tell people what you do? I don't. I do. 100% of the time. I try to find a way to bring it up in conversation. No uh, matter what. Ask what I do. Like, you know, most people I do know, they'll, they'll, they know I make knives. Right. But if I'm public and I'm just meet random new people or whatever, unless I'm asked what I do for a living, I don't. I'm, uh, I'm like an open book, but not that open. So you got to ask. just like you got to read the fucking book, you know? Yeah. I, I look at every situation as like a mar- marketing opportunity. That so makes sense. When I was getting my phone, the guy. So all I had to do was just swap SIM cards. It turned out it was that easy to move my number. Yeah. But for an iPhone, I've never had an iPhone before, so I had to get the i iCloud uh, email, login, something or other, like build an account. So the guy out there was helping me with all that, and he was going back and forth between both phones trying to transfer all my contacts and pictures, and super cool dude. And uh, so we got to talking and stuff, I was like, okay, here we go. He's like, well, is there any apps you want me to put on here for you, uh, you know, before you leave to make sure you have them? And I said, yeah, man, I need Facebook and Instagram on there and uh, Messenger for sure. And, you know, if you look at me, I'm a big tattooed, bald-headed guy. I don't really look like I'm super concerned about social media. So <laughs> when I told him that, he kind of glanced up at me. He's like, okay. I said, I work for myself and all my business is done, you know, through social media. So I got to make sure that I have that platform. And there it was. He's like, oh, okay, cool. What do you do? I said, said, I'm a high-end custom knife maker. And then he looked just like confused as shit. Like, oh, what? (laughs) I was like, yeah, man, that's what I do all day, every day. I make custom knives. And so he thought it was funny. There was a girl working at the next little desk over. He said, you think you can make a knife that will cut off a ponytail off a tall, thin girl with long eyelashes? <laughs> I said, I'll make you a knife, whatever kind of knife you want. I don't care what you cut with it. But uh, he um, got to talking about that, just cutting up, playing. The manager walked out from the back and kind of got in the conversation. And I got an order from the store manager at AT&T for a chef's nice. knife. Nice. I had all three of them in there scrolling my Instagram while I was talking to them. Sweet. So, yeah, I look at all the opportunities I can, you know, to. I think to the only time I sold the night that way was uh, at an Airbnb. I was staying there for the weekend. They asked me, what do you do for a living? And I was like, I make knives. They're like, you make knives? I was like, yep, I make hunting knives, kitchen knives, you know, whatever knife you want I can make. Yeah. Uh, and then she's like, you know what? You're on to something here because my brother-in-law, he's a rich guy, millionaire, whatever. They could never get him anything for his birthday or Christmas. Because buddy always buys what he wants and he has everything. Right. So uh, they got him a knife. So they picked a knife up for me there. And I'm, you know, just from what do you do for a living? He's like, I made knives. I was like, oh shit, yeah, let me get one of those. Sweet. Hell yeah. Well, how how far from home was it? I was about three hours away. So it's something you had to ship later on. You didn't have one in your pocket, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I had nothing on me, and I was. 
and I don't have any inventory to hand out anyways. So, well, I am building up some inventory. Um, so normally when I finish a knife, that's not part of an order. What I'll do is, you know, post it for sale on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. And then I'll give it a week or two, you know, and then maybe I'll repost it. If it sits around too long, I'll run an auction. This time I'm posting them as available. And if they don't sell, they just, they're going in the stash. Yes, sir. I'm up to five knives for my show stash is what I'm calling it. Now, you know, they're still marked as available on Instagram. So if I get a new follower and they scroll back and see it and want it, obviously I'll sell it. Yeah, of course. But the next, or it's going to be my first show ever. The first one I'm going to do is going to be in January. Sweet. So I'm wanting to have at least 20 knives. 30 would be even better because I don't want to set up a table and have it look slack. You know what I mean? Five knives. Right. (laughs) Business cards laying on the table. Yeah. And see, that's another thing I got to do. I don't have business cards. I don't have nothing. Those are something I had done from the beginning. I don't even have a logo, like in a digital format. Oh, shit. Yeah. I mean, the guy that makes my stencils for my etch, my touch mark, he's in the back room of a pawn shop down the road. And I cut out the very first one with an X-Acto knife out of a piece of electrical tape. And I sent him a picture of that stencil, and he was able to put it into his machine. Nice. But I'm still trying to come up with a logo for the brand, man. I'm I'm slacking on that end of stuff. But I want to get I just uh, snooped around. Like I said, it's just a lot of my life is, you know, things that influenced my lifestyle and, you know, times in my life as well, too. So, you know, the PK, pickle cutters, you know, pickle being my nickname, obviously, and cutters while I make knives. Right. But the, the bolts that come out of the letters, you know, that's obviously like metallica, you know, look at the color green is because, you know, it's my favorite color. So I just put a bunch of elements together and I'm like, this is what it is. Yeah. This is logo and and it i get a lot of feedback on that you know people are like holy shit you know, that's the logo you got there i mean i love your logo and your touch mark but uh what i'm looking for is far as a logo my touch mark is going to stay the same forever i'll never change that but on a t-shirt or a hat or whatever hats a little different but on a t-shirt if you look at my touch mark if you're not real familiar if you don't look close you might not realize that that's a J and a K. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, it's just a funny shape. But I want to have a T-shirt that even someone who doesn't know anything about knives looks at and says, damn, that's a cool-looking shirt. You know what I mean? Just have like a brand image. I was thinking of getting shirts made, too, and, uh, and that's my kind of my dilemma, too. So was like, I had the hats made. The hats were simple to make. You know, I just right. had my logo on the side of the front, and that was it. You know, and those went, like, you know candy so um i was thinking t-shirts but then i don't want to just have a t-shirt and have like a a neon green pk on it and that's it right gotta have something else on it and it's gotta have you know more text or whatever it's gonna catch that attention i find so i was thinking about like at the bottom of the the back of the shirt but like my facebook and my instagram there you know like the facebook logo and the instagram logo and then just put the links right shirt I've got that on my T-shirts on the back of my current T-shirts, just the Instagram one. But I never fooled with Facebook until I started talking to you. I mean, I had a page over there, but I never, ever shared anything or utilized it at all. And I still haven't gotten any orders from Facebook, but each post that I put up is getting close to 10,000 views. 
so many people that I've talked to, like other makers that don't get no traction from Facebook whatsoever. And it just blows my mind. It's like, am I, am I the only person selling knives off of Facebook like that? It looks like it, yeah. Yeah. Because everybody else is all about Instagram. And when I look at their accounts on Instagram, they're loaded with followers. And I'm, I'm struggling to hit fucking 1,000. You know, they got like 10, 12, 20, 25,000 selling knives up the wazoo. And here I am. It's like, bruh. <laughs> from, from what I've heard, it used to be a lot easier to grow on Instagram. You know what yeah. I mean? I guess it just wasn't so saturated. But now it's, you know, your views are limited. So I follow, I follow, uh, Neil Kamamura on Instagram because it's Neil, right? I don't know that I've ever seen one of his posts pop up as I'm scrolling every now and then I'll think about it and be, you know, like the other day I saw him in a Mareko story on Instagram and or they were doing a live, they were doing something together. And so I clicked on it and watched the little video, whatever it was. And then I said, well, I ain't seen Neil do nothing in a while. And he's posting like every day, you know, a lot, but it never pops up. And there's tons of people like that, that I follow. I just don't ever see them. No, it's weird how it works. I just, like I said, I just do my thing and it works on Facebook. So I just, you know, keep that recipe going. You gotta, you gotta send me some invites to some of them heavy hitter groups that you're in, dude. Cause I can't find any. I type in knife making or knife collectors, and it's the same little handful of groups. Just open. Uh, there's one. There's one. Listen, I got banned from this one. I don't even know for what reason. They didn't even <laughs> give me a warning. <laughs> but uh, it was. Uh, is it international knife makers or knife makers from around the world or something like that? It was some kind of page, some kind of group on Facebook, and there was like over twenty five thousand people in that page, in that group. And uh, yeah, I got the band hammer from that one, and I can't see I I haven't been there for over a year. <laughs> but uh, you know, I had been posting and posting, and then one day, all of a sudden, I just you know, I don't know what I posted they didn't like, and they banned me. I went to share something to a group the other day, and it, my post was automatically rejected. Yeah, there's some that are like certain keywords or fucking well, it said it couldn't have over 10 characters in a post oh shit so what i mean i don't understand how you could type a sentence in less than 10 letters you know what i mean yeah unless you're like from mars or something yeah that one was called uh knife addicts usa oh, i'm not in that one yeah and but they they post constantly and i don't actually i don't even know if i went to the page when i look at the groups and stuff i look at how many members and how many posts per day you know, and if that's like one thousand members, three posts a month, like I'm scrolling past that. You yeah, know, yeah, I mean? yeah. They just end up in your list of groups, and yeah, just, it's well. I I post anyways to those groups though because that's the thing. Like I said, if I'm getting forty, thirty to forty shares per post, you know, depending like the the rasp, the, the farrier's rasp that I just forged into an axe head. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one I was able to, you know, throw out a little bit further on to, to the groups because I brought it to axe groups, blacksmithing groups, everything else, you know. So just bringing it to, uh, wait a second here, Axe Junkie is actually a pretty big group. Oh, yeah. But uh, they got a bunch of people there, and uh, I posted that axe I made there. So that's obviously going to bring attention to my page. Have you posted that axe up on Instagram yet? Yeah, I just did before we started. Okay, I was about to say, I hadn't seen it. 
Yeah, see, Axe Junkies has got 40,000 members in there. Yeah. And uh, I never forged or made an axe, you know? Like, I, I've been on this roof for a while now, like six, seven years, because I used to restore axes. So uh, that's the thing, you know? So I made an axe yesterday, you know, forge welded it and everything, and uh, I posted it there. And, and it's the first time that I bring up pickle cutters and axe junkies. What did you, know? you use for your bit? Uh, I actually folded the rasp over onto itself. Like I took like four, maybe three and a half, four inches from the tip of the rasp. I folded it over. I forge welded that together. Okay. Okay. Then, gotcha. I, folded, then I folded and uh, forge welded everything back together. Okay. Yeah. I saw you had a bit in there. I don't know if maybe you put some tin on no, or something uh, in there. I just, like I said, I just uh, folded the, the rasp over onto itself. Yeah, well, that's hardenable steel. Most likely, you know, it's not guaranteed. Yeah, it's not hard. Yeah, it's an old, old, old uh, globe, Canadian uh, made. Okay. I did a, a rasp project, not a rasp, a uh, file project. Okay. I finally put together my file guide, mm. and uh, what better to use for a file guide than an old file? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I figure it's already hardened, right? Yep. I had some O one tool steel. I was going to use that and just quench it and not temper it. But exactly. I got to messing around, and I'm like, man, this is going to be a pain in the ass to, you know, I'd have had to cut it long ways in order to get okay, yeah, the pieces yeah. right. And with the angle grinder, that was going to make a mess. It was going to be crooked. It was just, I didn't feel like it. But you got you got one of those, um, uh, who is it, that grinder you got there? You got one of those there that you could have you know, straightened everything out on. Oh, yeah, the the Broadbeck. Broadbeck yeah, yeah. Ironworks 2 by 72 grinder. Uh, yeah. Built for professionals by professionals. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, all I did, man, is um, I hate to announce this to the world because it makes me kind of feel like less of a man. But uh, I drilled and tapped my first two holes ever. I've never put threads in a hole before. Holy shit! Yeah, I got it done, and I grabbed that damn quarter quarter twenty bolt that I bought just for that, and it threaded in. I said, like, "Holy shit! Look at here." Uh, I mean, yeah. it, it was easy, you know, but I just I've never done it before. And uh, when I bought the tap, it was it came with the drill bit and the tap. Okay. And the top of the tap had this little square thing on it. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll just, you know, use a crescent wrench for that. And I put it on the bench and started trying to line it up and get it started and pull this thing. I was like, this is fucking crooked. So I stopped and thought about it for a minute. I put the tap in my drill press. Actually, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, and I pulled the handle. Down. I didn't turn it on. But I pulled the handle down and just spun the chuck by hand and just went in and out with some, you know, cutting oil, three-in-one stuff. And, dude, it was it was pretty neat. I was I was pretty proud of myself for that. But like I said, it's simple. Everybody does it all the time, but I just never had before. I thought it was pretty cool. I had before but didn't own a tap set. But when I started making knives and, you know, I made my first bevel jig, I needed some taps and I had borrowed a tap from a friend, which is like some princess auto, like Harbor freight taps. Right. Uh, broke that right away. So I was like, all right, you know, I went to town and got a tap set. And, uh, since then I've been using that tap set regularly. You know, I built the grinders, had to drill and tap everything. Oh, really? Yeah. And there's a lot of drilling and tapping on a grinder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The only tap I have is a quarter 20. So, but, I mean, as easy as it was, though, I'll definitely keep it in mind. Like, if I run across the problem in the shop, you know, it, 
my thing is always welding. You know what I mean? Just weld it up. I can weld something to make it work. Yeah, but exactly. if I can tap a hole and be able to bolt something together that's not permanent, yep. that's, that's pretty neat. Well, that's what you end up doing, too, is you, you find all these little projects. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, I got a tap set. I could just, you know, drill and tap and bolt together, and we're good to go. You know? Yeah, it was pretty cool. So I got it all. I drilled. Obviously, I put two holes in the end of each little section of file. I cut two pieces of file. I think I cut them three and a quarter inches long. And I put a hole in each end of it, and I tapped the bottom side. Yep. And I oversized and countersunk the top side. That way it just slides right through there and threads in the bottom and sucks it right up. That's how it's true to you. And then I took it to my Broadback Ironworks 2x72 grinder, and I just squared it up on there, you know, to make sure everything was exactly right. Because my two pieces were, you know, instead of being exactly perfect, yep. they were off just a little bit. And I couldn't drill all the way through them because I tapped the first holes first. And if I'd have stuck that drill bit back through there, I'd have screwed up my threads. Yep. So I just took a center punch and got it close. And it's close enough to where it lines up and sucked in tight. Yeah. But I still had to true it up. Clean it up a bit on the grinder. Yeah. First, uh, my first bevel guide, I I mean, a bunch of file guide, whatever you want to call it, that I had made was just out of mild steel. And uh, that didn't last long. I put way too much effort into that thing. (laughs) Way too much work and energy. Yeah, I, I'm thinking the file should be fine. You know what I mean? At least for a while. I know yeah, it's not no, going to last forever. Uh, Jin from Pellet Knives, he actually, uh, he, his first file guide I think he had made, he had epoxy files onto some steel. Like he made a file guide, but epoxy the files to the, the steel itself, whatever it was. I don't know if it was aluminum. I can't remember. But anyways, that's what he had done. You know, it was not what you did was just, you know, pancake them and fucking drill them. And tap them. But what he did was, you know, kind of like PR Maker's uh, file guide, if you've seen that one. Yes, I have. The, the carbide plates are on the top there. so Right. And so, there's nothing wrong with a, with a TR Maker thing. No. I mean, I guess if you're going to buy one, that's probably the best place to get it. I mean, because from what I've heard about his stuff, it's great. Yeah, no, dude, I've got... I'm gonna name the other guy out there, but that's somebody they'll uh, they'll scream out when they uh, when people ask about file guides. But uh, I've got one of his here, the BB one. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> uh, so, anyways, uh, carbides fall off, and I'm not torquing it. Like I'm not tightening things to where it would bend. Yeah. The or the you know the grip the, the break free or whatever. Right. Uh, I fixed one side, you know, first time using it, I'm grinding on one side. I go to flip the knife over to get the other side and I'm missing a carbide. And I was like, what? You know, so I put my hand in the water bucket. There it is. So I just chucked that on the fucking bench and you know, that's it. Yeah. So I ended up fixing it up. So I started grinding with it and, uh, I started grinding. I do one side, do the other side. I come to come back to the other side, the side that the carbide hadn't fallen off yet. Now it has. That one was missing. Damn. I was like, are you fucking serious? So I, it's in the bottom of a drawer right now, and I don't even want to see it. I do not want to see that uh, that file guide ever again. <clears throat> it just it seems to me too easy to make, as opposed yeah. to spending. I mean, because they're over a hundred bucks. Yeah, you know no, 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 exactly. If you're going to buy one that is made for knife making or whatever, you're you're paying good money for it. Yeah, I spent. Uh, I can't remember exactly. I want to say like. 12 bucks for that uh 
for the tap and drill bit little combo thing. Yeah, and your two screws. Yeah, well, I, actually, I bought a pack of those screws just because that's how they sold them over there in the hardware department at Lowe's. But um, it wasn't much at all. And several years ago, I bought a bucket of files at a yard sale, a literal five-gallon bucket. I paid $1 for them. It was, and they're all Nicholson files and, like, the good stuff. Nice. It was at an estate sale, and the lady who was running it, it was the last day of it, and they were kind of sitting off in the corner. She couldn't pick it up because it was too heavy. And they were loading everything that hadn't sold and all this kind of stuff into the back of her car, and they were just going to kind of let the rest of it go with, I guess, whoever bought the house next or whatever. And uh, I asked her about that bucket. She said, honey, if you'll move it and just give me $1, you can have everything that's in it. I don't even know what that stuff in there is. Uh, good deal. So I'm set on files. You know, yeah. I mean, I've got enough files to cut up and make a thousand file guides if I need to. And yeah, no, I hit a deal like that in a garage sale one time too. I paid five bucks for a five gallon bucket full of uh, brand new old vintage uh, Nicholson files. And they still have the price tags from the hardware store they were sold at. And they had been picked up by whoever, when this hardware store closed in the late seventies, and they'd had them sitting there ever since. Damn. And there's still literally price tags on these fucking files that were like $3, I think, or not even. I think it was like it was pennies, I believe, or something. I, I'd have to look. They're in the closet here. I never, you're talking about it, and that came to mind. <laughs> I, I got to take those out and see what else is in there, because I might find another farrier's rasp in there. might be able to make me another tomahawk or something. Yeah, well, the, the ones I bought, a couple of them had price tags on them. But they weren't even close to readable. You could just, it was the very small little yellow rectangle thing. You know, old yeah. school hardware store type price tag. Yeah, 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 exactly. The square one with the little yeah. hole in the middle. Yep. But um, no, when I found those, I was like, oh, you know, like I said, I was at, into axe restoration then. But uh, a lot of them are like uh, uh, diamond shaped files. Mm-hmm. They actually have four sides to them. So I was like, well, you know, what am I going to do with those? But now that I think about it, I'm, I'm going to make a bunch of daggers. <laughs> yeah or start doing some file work in your spines yeah that too yeah yeah so speaking of yard sale scores one time i went completely stupid and was all the way wrong so <laughs> when i first found the uh axe and iron podcast um the, the way that i found that one is a good friend of mine tommy matthews was on it and um he's at crooked river forge Hey, yep. And so he was on there and he texted me and told me about it. And I was like, hell yeah, man, let me go check this thing out. And it was just, it was instantly a good show. You know what I mean? I just, I loved it. And then I went back and I heard Wayne Melligan. And if you haven't heard Wayne Melligan on the Axe and Iron podcast, go find that episode and buckle up. Listen to it. That is one of the funniest shows. That dude is a riot, man. I mean, he is just hilarious. And he don't try to be, it's just regular him. It's him, yeah, him yeah. being him. Yeah, but anyway, um, so when I first heard of the Axe and Iron podcast, I kind of binged on it for a while because there were so many I hadn't heard, and every one I looked at I loved. And I got to kind of learn what Roy does with the vintage axes and yeah. hear him talking about the names and all this kind of stuff, you know, the jerseys and True Temper and Plum. I know Black Raven's like the one he talks about being the best, but I heard the word Plum a lot on there. So we was at this yard sale and there was an ax propped up in the, in the corner. 
and I picked it up, and there was like electrical tape on the handle around, you know, underneath the head. And I picked it up and looked at it, and it said plum on the side. So I was like, ooh, ooh, I just scored. Oh, my God, ooh. Like, I'm freaking out inside thinking, like, I'm fixing to sell this thing for $500 or something. (laughs) Well, I showed it to my wife, and I was real quiet. Like, I was trying to be sneaky. I was like, babe, this thing is worth a lot of money. You know, don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. She's like, yeah, but it's broken. And I was like, that's okay. They don't, it's okay. It's okay. I thought she was talking about the handle. So I paid $10 for this axe, <laughs> got it to the truck, and I'm like pissing my pants, dude. And I sat it down and I looked and I'm like, it says plum on it. It says plum. I'm going to go get some of that evapo rust and I'm going <laughs> to strike gold, right? Well, I'm looking it over and I flipped the axe over and right in front of the eye, the axe is split. Broken all the way, like at the handle, yeah. going from right. top to bottom, just busted. Fixable though. And I was Very like, "Damn fixable. it!" And she said, "I told you it was broken." I said, "I thought you were talking about the handle. <laughs> I knew the handle was broken." <laughs> but uh, it's a fixable. It's a doable fix, you know. Yeah, I'm going to what, out and weld it up. Yeah, what I'm going to do is put it in a vice and heat it up real slow, and just kind of use the vice to to squeeze it back into shape. And once it lines up, then I'll take my grinder and, and cut me a V out, you yep. know, to where I can fill that in with a weld bead. Okay, so the eye is actually deformed itself. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll send you a picture of it when I get home. It's fucked. Beating, yeah. Yeah, and I can't. I don't know how she noticed that, and I didn't. I just saw the word plum on the opposite okay. side. She's like, "Told you." <laughs> I do. I do. I was doing the same thing, like for. For a couple of years, like I said, I was doing the axe thing, <clears throat> and uh, I'd go to garage sales, you know, just for that, looking for old tools. Yeah. And I'd ask, you know, if I wouldn't find any, I'd ask. And there's a lot of places that they had all these older fellas there. And be like, oh, you wouldn't happen to have any old tools around, laying around, or, you know, old axe heads? Or, like, oh, I wouldn't think anybody would want anything like that. Hold on, I got something in the back shed. And they come back yep. with buckets. Yeah. <laughs> So I scored so many like axes and found some valuable axes. I, even at the junkyard, I was like, "You guys happen to have any axes? You guys, you know, pick them up or whatever." And he's like, "No, no well, wait. Actually, I might have something." He opens up a drawer. He's got a drawer full of axe heads, and I was like, "I just go through it and I grab ten axe heads." And I was like, "What do you want?" He's like, "Oh, give me a dollar a head." I was like, "All right, sure, buddy." <laughs> you got any more? Hell yeah! yeah I ended up with some Collins axes in there. I had some uh, True Tempers in there too. Yeah. yeah, it was weird from, I've never seen, I mean, I've seen old axes, obviously, but I've never, I guess, paid attention to any brand at all. Oh, yeah, no, there's there's a market out there for these brands, that's for sure. Definitely. So, yeah, I'll send you a picture of that when I get back to the house. It's it's all the way gone, but I do want to mess with it a little uh, bit. You should try fixing that axe with uh, that uh, CEC Corp epoxy. Yeah, that might fill it in and hold, huh? <laughs> I bet I could epoxy it. I could epoxy it to the handle. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Use the epoxy to seat the wedge. Yep, exactly. What I used for that hammer, I modified. Yeah, there you go. Whatever you want to call that hammer now, but I took a framing hammer. I think I showed you that, right? You did. Yep. Yeah, where I took the claws and made them nice and pointy. And- yeah, I took a, a ball peen hammer one time and made a tomahawk out of it. I've got one of those laying in my. Uh, Cool drawer, actually. Yeah, I've got one more laying down there. I'm going to mess with one of these days, but that was... Uh, it's a little off, it so I'd, I'd have to 
take it back to the forge. I just never finished it. It was so fucking hot in the shop. I was like, you know what? This is this is just for fun. I'll get back to it another time, and I haven't. Dude, mine, the shape of it looks pretty good, but I squished the eye after it was already, like, looking perfect and all. I wanted to square off the backside, you know, make it more like a hammer. Yeah. And somehow or another, I got it hot in the wrong spot, gas forge instead of coal. That's where a coal forge to isolate the heat would have came in. Love it. But, uh, yeah, I just squished the shit out of the eye. And I don't have any drifts, you know what I mean, to to get it right. So, I don't know. I've thought about just, like, bolting a piece of pipe down to the stump that my amble's on and trying to work around that. Yeah. But it ain't a huge deal. But uh, I've actually got a new anvil since I did that. And the new my new anvil, the horn on it, is way thinner. I mean, it comes down to a drastic point. I've got a, um, I've got a Bic, not a Bic, a Bic, like a Bic lighter. Mm-hmm. I've got a Bic for my anvil that goes in the hardy hole, and it's just like a horn. Right. Just way smaller than the horn on your anvil, and uh, it works perfect for shit like that. Like when I was making bottle openers, I could just, you know, slide the whole part of the bottle opener into my Bic and then just work, work that part of my bottle opener. You know, I'd have a smaller horn like it I'll, I'll send you a picture yeah I'll, i was just excited send me a picture of that that sounds yeah, yeah, like yeah. something i, I could definitely that. use i had to uh, adapt it because when i had it my uh, first anvil i had I had a smaller hardy hole and my uh, peter Wright anvil's got a one inch hardy hole in it so what i did is i was actually i had some uh, one inch square tubing that had a one inch uh, one eighth wall and my hardy my bick would fit into that so i just tapped that to that and now that one inch tube and fits into my new anvil. Well, my old new anvil. Yeah. So that's a good that, idea. Yeah, that worked. I was like, because I was thinking about laying beads and grinding it out and this and that. And then uh, it's Peter, Peter Lepay. He's like, why don't you just find some tubing? And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I could <laughs> yeah, yeah, that works. <laughs> I think my hardy hole is three quarters, I want to say. I don't have any hardy tools. How big is your anvil? I've got two, one of mine's a Harbor Freight, just, you know, the bullshit, the little pig. Yep. And then I've got an 85-pound Vulcan. Okay. So that's the one, the the face on the Vulcan is all tore up. But the, the horn is just pristine, and that's the one that comes to a real sharp point. Yep. But then the little doo-doo turd Harbor Freight anvil, the face on that one's perfect, but the horn is... Just it's like the tip of a boot, you know what I mean? Like it don't make sense. It's just like somebody said, "Oh, look, you got a Harbor Freight anvil on your hand." Yeah, you kind of do a little bit. It's got the fat horn. It's got the fat horn on it. (laughs) Yeah, I like that tattoo. I had that done last year. I got to get something. I don't have any kind of knife, you know. I even got my logo tattooed. Oh, I'm definitely getting that. Where's it at? There it is. Hell yeah. I'm definitely getting that. I think my logo is going to go on the top of my left hand. Yeah. And uh, I've got a tattoo planned out for the top of my right hand. And I just kind of pulled the trigger and finalized that I'm going to go ahead and do it. So uh, my grandmother passed away last year from cancer. Okay. And uh, my papa is 80. He's almost 85. And he is still alive and kicking very, very well. He's got most ener- more energy than you know, most 60, 50 year olds, 
but it, it was kind of in my head to get this tattoo done, but I didn't want to do it, you know, until he was gone. Cause it would be kind of like a memorial type tattoo yep. since my grandma's already gone. But then I figured why not go ahead and do it. And he can actually see, you know, what they mean to me and that I'm wanting to put it on my body forever. Exactly. So their last name is West and I'm going to get a compass, like an old school sailors type compass on the top yep. of my hand with the needle pointing West and the uh, the word west you know kind of i've got that on the back of my arm i kind of the- sort of saw that and that's kind of exactly what i'm talking about but the word west like old uh kind of cursive cowboy looking across it you know and just it'll be like a something for them so i'll be getting that one pretty soon it's been it's been too long since i got a new tattoo 5 years probably oh shit way too long yeah and looking at myself in this camera, man, I'm seeing like, look, I just grabbed the wrong arm, dude. <laughs> like, I got a, a bald spot right here. Yeah, yeah and one there. <laughs> lower. No, lower. Oh, wrong arm. Damn it. Oh, same arm. Yeah, right there. <laughs> yeah. This I, one. Don't, I don't have uh, much for bald spot. Except for my bed. Yeah. My arms are loaded. My uh, One of my legs is say three quarters full well not three quarters but about half you know with everything that's on it uh i'm fixing to get the other leg done up i'm uh my side one of my sides needs to be done i just so much more tattoos i want to get done you know i got my last ones were my uh, my chest pieces my uh my panther and my tiger you got your rib cage uh yeah my uh my left side's all done <sighs> from my waist up underneath my arm that's the worst one I got one on my uh, my right side too, but that's that traditional little devil with the diaper and the fork. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's getting covered up by some kind of zombie monkey or whatever, doing something all crazy graveyardy shit on that one. So with all the tattoos you got all over your body, which one hurt the worst? Uh, on my thighs. My really? thighs, were, yeah, they were killer, dude. Like I, I, both of them are done, and I got they're pretty big tattoos too. Uh, one of them is, uh, those are my family pieces. You were talking about family pieces earlier. Yeah. I got, uh, a big-ass nautical star with the big anchor behind it. And uh, the anchor rope has got three more nautical stars hanging off of it. And those nautical stars are uh, my father, my brothers, and I's birthstone colors. Okay. And then on my other thigh, I got the big heart with the ribbon with the mom written in it. But there's a big uh, uh, spool of uh, thread because my mom's a seamstress or was a seamstress. You know, she she hasn't been working for a while now. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I got that done in the needle with the thread and that sewing through the heart. And then there's a sparrow with the cherry blossoms, you know, holding the ribbon. Yeah, like old Sailor Jerry style stuff. Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of traditional, like my, uh, yeah, this, this arm here, as you see right on my camera sucks but this is yeah. all like sailor type stuff this gets shit on my camera <laughs> yeah dagger <clears throat> the, the stars and the spots and you know traditional american and the other arms all traditional japanese my my rib cage was by far the worst for me that shit hurt yeah it's not a pleasant spot <laughs> i'm not saying it doesn't hurt all tattoos pretty much hurt yeah armpit sucks I, to be honest with you, uh, the chest, 
the chest wasn't that pleasant either, though. Like, seriously, the thing come to think about it, like, last place I got tattooed was the chest in, uh, oh, ICP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gigolo. Huh? I said, you're gigolo. Yeah, juggalos. Old school right there, man. I always wanted to get an ICP tattoo, and I just never did it. I wanted that. Dude, I'm telling you, look at this camera. I'm holding up the wrong arms. I know people, I'm sorry, y'all, we're just rambling right now about that. We can see each other. Yeah. Up in up in the armpit area. Yeah, 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 up there. That that was a little tender. I got that all, uh, like, way up into the armpit there. Yeah. And, uh, what's the same? Yeah. But no, tattoos are, they've been a part of my life for, since I got my first tattoo, I was 15. I got, I was 18 on my 18th birthday. I got my first one and went strong ever since. So, but well, no, shit, I mean, everyone's got a meaning, you know, so yeah, a lot of mine don't have a meaning. I've had some friends that were tattoo artists and, you know, they'd come to the house and shit for a, just supplying the beer while they're there, you know, they'll just run for hours, you know, yeah, yeah. sitting around tattoo you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just sitting around playing music, drinking and smoking and hanging out, you know, having a good time. Yes, sir. But no, uh, but speaking of tattoos, if I get another one, you know what a super cool design is? I was always thinking, uh, there's a bunch of, things I would get for tattoos, you know, a bunch of different designs. But uh, one that I always thought was cool, you know, has symbolism to it as well, too, is a uh, phoenix. I like that, too. That's kind of exactly what I was thinking. So, uh, you know, I love phoenix. And, you know, they rise from the ashes, and it's got a hell of a story. Exactly. But, uh, you know, what do you do with ashes if they don't burn down all the way? You know, they're still pretty grainy, right? Yep. I say you scoop that shit up and make some abrasives with it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like Phoenix Abrasives. They're your one-stop shop for all of your abrasive needs. You can find them online at www.phoenixabrasives.com forward slash shop. Use the promo code HUSTLE10 for 10% off of your entire order. Yes, sir. Yeah. I got some new Phoenix Abrasives belts. Uh, I told you I got the cork belts. Yeah, how do those work? I wanted to ask you that the other day. I got some learning to do, man. So Greg Strait told me, he's like, they're they're very coarse, so he he sent me the belts. I got four hundred, six hundred, and eight hundred grit, and they feel like thirty six grit, like ceramic belts. And so he said, "Man, you're gonna have to jam some steel in there and knock that high stuff off." So I just took like an old template off the wall of a knife or something, and I jammed it in there and I wore it down a little bit, but just a little bit. I didn't want to like knock it all off. Kill the belt, yeah. right? So I did that, and uh, I actually tested it on the back of my finger. I turned the, the VFD down to, like, where it was barely moving, and I put my finger to it, and it didn't it didn't scratch me up. You know, it felt smoother than it looked. So I turned it up a little bit and started at 400 and went to 800. And honestly, I can't tell much of a difference, you know, based on, like, comparing to a, a Scotch-Brite belt. Okay. But it left, like, some gummy residue stuff on the blade. With each pass. Well, I'm assuming the cork itself has to be held together somehow, so it's probably got something more. Right. You know, it's not the same grain structure at all whatsoever compared to regular abrasive. No, not at all. And, um, yeah, I've got a couple messages from people telling me 
you know, it, they do get better with time. They are kind of hard to break in. So I'll keep working on it. You know, I'll keep trying them out yeah. and, um, and see what happens. I'll report back once I learn the results. And I was also told that some people actually get up into the 800 grit ones. That's the only three grits they come in, four, six, and eight. But people are getting mirror polished finishes with them off the belt. Yeah, but, I've seen a few pictures myself, too, on a few posts. And I was like, fuck. Yeah, yeah Kayla was the one. Um, I think yeah. we talked about that in the episode that we scrapped. Yep. But, um, yeah, she's got some, like, perfect mirror polishes mm-hmm. off of that. But uh, I think she's loading the belt up with some compound, too, at the same time on top of the cork belt. Possibly, yeah. So, But the thing is, if you put the wrong compound on there or something, there ain't no getting it out. No. You know what no. I mean? <laughs> it's no. in there. Like, that belt is blue or white or pink or whatever. Your buffing wheel, you know. If you're using a buffing wheel for one compound, don't, don't try to change it and use, you know, the same wheel for a different compound. Oh, hell no. They're cheap enough. I mean, exactly. Like I said before, I got a drawer in my toolbox. Just only buffing wheels, yeah. and they're I all. I my buffing wheel up off the ground earlier. It was full of dirt. <laughs> took the took the air hose to that. Threw yeah. it the drill truck, and then I was like, "Let's go to town." Jolly, yeah. I keep all mine in that drawer, and um, a lot of mine. That I take a sharpie and I write what color they are on the on, on the, the nap because my white compound buffing wheel. The edge is actually black. Yeah, exactly. But it's loaded with white compound. And the pink one, it almost looks black, but you can see some pink on the top and bottom. You have a wheel rake? A what? A wheel rake. What's that? I don't think I do. You know, off your polishing wheels? It looks like a, you know, those those things to, to brush uh, horses back in the day? Mm-hmm. You used to have those, those kind of rakes, and then there was the, the forks on the top. Well, it kind of looks something like that. I've never heard of such a thing. To, what yeah, it, you Google it. To get sure the excess mind. compound off of it? It's to clean up your wheel. Yeah, to condition your wheel to, to, to clean it up. Okay, so what I use in that situation is I've got a uh, a Sawzall blade that's just a, a fine cut, you know, like a, a bimetal Sawzall blade. And yeah, I, it, would, it would act the same way. Okay, yeah, I just pinch that with both hands and kind of let it brush across there. That just lays on the on the bench up under the... Buffer. Something like... Just <laughs> backwards. Okay, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, you know, that that does... It works wonders. It'll clean a wheel. Well, good deal. Man. Hey, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about what kind of epoxy you use? Because, I mean, we're, we're an hour into here. And I'm just curious, man. I mean, I forgot. Usually you tell me by now. I tried earlier. You just didn't catch on to it, I guess. I, I kind of <laughs> did, but uh, oops. <laughs> uh, I'm obviously going to use anything I could find made here in Canada, so I am using CEC Corp Epoxy. Uh, that That's what I use too, man. And I'll tell you what, I love that shit. Oh, yes. Love it. So I like, use it for everything. Last week, I ended up with some extra uh, flat rate boxes from the post office. And I was getting ready to do a glue up. And most of the time, I keep a roll of wax paper in my shop. Yep. And when I'm doing glue ups, that's what I stretch out. And I reached up and I grabbed my damn thing and went to pull my wax paper off. And there was about four inches of it. <laughs> that wasn't enough. So I broke one of them flat rate boxes and laid it out on my bench. Because I'm just thinking, okay, I'll just throw this in the fire pit when I'm done. Well, I dripped some epoxy all over it. 
but it wasn't enough to really worry about. So that thing was still sitting there. I got a phone call today and, uh, I was just on the phone bullshit and walk around the shop. You know, when you're on the phone, you're just picking up whatever. I grabbed my spring loaded center punch and hit it on that, uh, that piece of dropped epoxy just to see what would happen. It did not even go through it on cardboard. It didn't go through. It was like a bulletproof vest, man. Nice. Yeah, no, I've, I've picked up chunks too and messed around with them, like leftovers on the, the wax paper or whatever. So it's like, take it and you know, try bending it, try breaking it and see how much it could take, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's crazy how strong that stuff is. You know, and how it reacts. Cause sometimes I put uh, color pigmentation in my epoxies. Oh, yeah, me too. So, you know, then. And you could, when you have leftover, you could actually see how, you know, if you got, because I noticed that if you put too much pigmentation in it, it will take a lot longer to cure, I find. The, the stuff I use only takes like one or two drops. Yeah. I mean, it's I like. Powder. Mine's powdered. So sometimes I just dip my oh. fucking stick in there and I just and start mixing shit up. But sometimes it's just too much. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the liquid stuff that I use, it is freaking awesome. I mean, it takes one, sometimes maybe you'll add an extra drop. I've and, got some that I, uh, that I got from one of my friends. He does woodworking and, uh, he's a distributor for, uh, Ecopoxy. They do all the casting, uh, okay. casting well, for the tables and all that stuff. They're yeah. for river tables. And, and uh, he does the distribution for them and, uh, fuck, lost it. <laughs> <laughs> do y'all have a hobby lobby in Canada? No. Not here, anyways. If there are, there's none here. Okay. Uh, well, that's where I get my stuff because they sell Alumalite and all those casting resins and stuff. Oh, yeah. That's what we we're talking about. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's right. It's on the bottle. It's designed to dye epoxies and resins and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. that's, that's what I use. And I bought like a 16, uh, color palette. Yeah. It wasn't that many. It wasn't 16. I'm thinking about that Phoenix Abrasives belt pack. It was eight, it, yeah, eight or ten. I've got a kid that's got eight in there, and he just got all the colors. Aren't there eight colors in the rainbow? Uh, Roy G. Biv, seven. Seven, whatever. <laughs> colors. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I've got the bottled liquid ones, too, and then I got some uh, black pigmented powder, and then I got some, uh, like, a candy apple, like a green apple with uh, metallic in it. Okay. But like a bright, oh, it's so fucking nice. And then I got this uh, blue one as well too. But it's you don't really see that stuff as much as you'd want to, you know, if you're going to use unless you're putting file work on your spine. Yeah. Well, when I do my file work, a lot of times I'll match the epoxy to the liner. Yeah, yeah. And that to me, I love that look. You know what I mean? It just kind of yeah, flows and everything together. Yeah. But a uh, little life hack that I figured out a while back is almost all the time I'll dye my epoxy black, no matter what. Yeah, I, I got that habit of doing that now, too. Yeah. Every time I mix up epoxy, it's black. Yeah, well, for two different reasons that I've found. Every now and then, it doesn't happen much anymore, but it used to, you get just a little bit of slop in your pinhole. Yep. Because, you know, when you drill an eighth-inch hole and you try to stick an eighth-inch pin through it, it's too tight. You know what yeah. I mean? So you got to take it. I just take it to the grinder and push my thumb on it and spin it. But if you take a little too much off, you'll have that gap there. If yeah. it's just clear epoxy, it sticks out like a sore thumb because, you know, it, it turns that yellow color. If that little extra bit's black, most of the time it'll blend right in with whatever pattern or grain is in your handle. Yeah. And then, two, yeah. it'll show up a lot better if it's on the bolster end. When you're doing your cleanup, it'll show yeah. up a lot better. 
Yep. That way you can clean it off quick before it has time to, to get on our stick. I um, I use black also for uh, full tang knives that I forged because you don't always get that, you know, straight, straight. Tang. Well, the tang will be straight, but there, there's hammer marks. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the those fill in those hammer marks, you know, and they everything's black. So it doesn't look as retarded as you say like either clear or yellowish right uh a big chopper i just did uh up front where the bolsters are there was a one hammer mark there that was pretty deep and uh when i got everything wiped up well i kind of had a dip there in the epoxy so i took the cc corp uh ca glue that's black and then i took some c tips i took a c tip mm-hmm and then I got that right into that little hammer mark dimple that was right on the edge of my bolster up front. Yeah. And I just filled that up with the the CA glue and brought it nice and flush to the top. And I let that set in the vise like that a couple minutes, rock hard. It doesn't even show. Hell yeah. I, I had a little void in some uh, stabilized maple burl scales last week. Yep. And I was able to take that CEC Corp uh, clear CA glue and I had already shaped the handle like a lot. So there was plenty of dust on my bench. I put two or three drops just on a piece of cardboard on the bench yep. and then sprinkled some dust in it. And then with a popsicle stick, I kind of real fast. I mean, you got to go quick because that shit will dry and make a ball. But just kind of smeared it around and rubbed it in that hole. And dude, you can't even tell that it was in there when I got done. I don't know. There's a bunch of little hacks like that. You could, uh, manage to fix things there and that's what's nice about those c tips too all those little holes like i said like with the black like the black ca glue is the best in my opinion yeah because you could fill any void on any like burl material and it'll look good it's black you know no matter what color it's stabilized in that black ca glue is going to look good there exactly and those c tips get into those holes so you're not just trying to get CA glue into this fucking hole and, you know, wasting half of your CA glue on the rest of the handle, you know? Right. Literally get right into those little holes and fill them in. Well, hell yeah. Pro tip episode. Why not? Yeah, might as well, <laughs> huh? All right, guys. Well, we're an hour two in, and um, we're going to go ahead and call this one. What you think? I know you got company. I got shit to do. I got... Fuck, 14 or 16 knives in the oven at home i gotta get back to and pull out and all that good stuff and uh yes, and obviously you know i gotta pee so uh <laughs> <laughs> we'll go ahead and wrap this one up uh check out our sponsors guys phoenix abrasives for all your abrasives needs cec court for all of your epoxy needs and check out broadbeck ironworks and use the code hustle and you get a free upgrade to the moreco deep platen on the purchase of any grinder kit so uh, that's all for today, guys. We'll talk and to you I'd again. Like, I'd like to add. Yes, if sir. You're, if you're not a knife maker listening to this and you're interested in either our Jason or I's work, hit us up. Damn sure do that. And, hey, use the co- the promo code uh, Pickle Hustle. and Jason are awesome for one hell of a deal if you put in a knife order and you heard about it here. So. Yes, sir. All right, guys. We'll talk to you all next week. Till then, keep on hustling and keep on grinding. Peace out.